Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. It's the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah, it keeps giving me a headache all year long. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, it's sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe-smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine, in the midst of the Christmas season. And on tonight's show, uh, blend, uh, blend Review again. Almost forgot. Yeah, Blend Review again. This one is McBaron's H.H. Burley Flake. Uh, guest is more story times with Mike and Mary McNeil. And if you thought Mike was quiet in the first episode, well, <clears throat> he's going to make up for that in this one. And then we'll have uh, music, mailbag, and a rant, a real rant, all coming up on this week's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. Um, now, this week's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show is uh, <laughs> recorded way early. Right now, as I'm doing this, it is Friday, December 7th in the evening. And uh, why? Because uh, I'm when this show comes out, I will be at Walt Disney World. I uh, couldn't say anything or tell anybody about it because we are surprising my son by heading down there. And we'll spend four or five days with uh, seeing him at work and hanging out with him. And uh, you know what? It's not bad that he works at Walt Disney World because... That's a place I kind of like to hang out. Uh, speaking of Walt Disney World, I was able to book my own vacation because this year for the holidays, if you're looking to give the gift of a Disney trip or a cruise on any cruise line, or if you're thinking of traveling anywhere, reach out to me. If you've got any questions about travel, reach out to me. I've had a couple folks recently and happy to help, happy to give my advice, no charge. And if you do book a trip with me, you know what? It costs you nothing. It saves you time. I get commissioned from the places that we book with. And if booking with me is not the best deal for you, I'll tell you. So don't worry about uh, don't worry about overpaying for anything. In fact, I guarantee you I'll save you time and might be able to save you money. So you can email me brian.levine at mei-travel.com or email me brian at pipesmagazine.com. If you don't hear back from me in a couple of days, email me again because my uh, spam filter sometimes catches some of those emails and I don't see it. Try to keep an eye on the spam, but hey, it's the holidays. There's a lot of spam going around, going around the uh, internet. All right, let's get the show rolling so everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in and here we go. There's nothing quite like hunting at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. And we are back. All right, blend review by request, and I, I've got to apologize. I lost whoever requested this, but I had it on my list, <clears throat> and I'm almost caught up on my list. Almost, I promise. By the end of the year, we should be all caught up. So if you've got any blends you want me to review, uh, just send them in. 
All right, so the HH Burley Flake. First of all, I'm very familiar with this product. I'm very familiar with the HH line. I'm very familiar with McBaron. Uh, I hadn't smoked this product since it was introduced officially. So I, I smoked some pre-introduction, and that was kind of fun. And I was trying to remember as I was smoking this, how did, how did it taste compared to that? And I don't really remember, so sorry. I wish I was more help with that, but I'm not. Um, so as with, the, uh, as with all the HH lines, the HH stands for Henrik Hallberg, the owner of McBaron. Uh, these are all natural tobaccos. And as the description on the back says, a burly domina dominated flake containing tobaccos from three continents. Besides burley, the flake also contains ripe Virginia tobaccos and a small portion of dark-fired Kentucky. So, again, it's interesting that uh, to me that they went with a blend instead of just the straight burley. And I'm, I'm pretty sure I know the answer because, to me, straight burley is just kind of, uh, you know, I don't know, boring. Um, so you need to add something to it. Remember, burley tobaccos were kind of what all the old man tobaccos were based on, and it was a very American style of of tobacco for uh, you know for pipes was just straight burley. Well, here is a modernized version, and again, this is just hot pressed for days and pressed into beautiful little slices that are really easy to deal with. Uh, I believe there's a little bit of heat and yeah, the, the heat and the steam and there might be a little bit of something else in there to help mature the tobaccos. But again, they're all natural. There's no flavorings, no additives to it. Uh, to jump ahead, I, I kind of had an idea with this kind of being related to the HH Old Dark Fired that I love. I thought, you know what, I'll try it in, my, in one of the pipes that I love that in. Well, it didn't work. So I went back to square one and tried it in a large bowl, a small bowl, you know, tried different cuts and, or different ways of rubbing it out and folding it and tucking it. And to me, the result that came up the best was in a smaller pipe, a, a group three size pipe would be best in my opinion, um, and pack it a lot looser than what you normally would. Uh, I think what happened was when I was packing it normally, the burleys in there were getting a little tangy to me. Uh, it was getting a little hard to smoke. I wasn't quite getting the flavors coming through real easily, so I was pulling on it harder. So I backed it down, put it into a smaller pipe, and packed it a whole lot looser. I mean, just a lot looser than I normally would. Now, when you pack a pipe a whole lot looser than you normally would, you got to smoke it a whole lot slower than you normally would because otherwise you can pull a lot of air through there and get that pipe really hot really fast. So, again, pack it looser than you normally would and sip on it delicately. Yeah, I'm more of a, uh, more of a train going down the tracks puffing on my pipe. Well take this one and draw it back down and sip on it, savor it. And you'll get that rich nuttiness of the burleys. You'll get those natural sugars out of the burleys. And then the blending of the Virginia and the dark fired adds a little balance to it and a little characteristic to it. Um, I don't think this is actually a blend that is one that I would want to 
you know, put three, four, five years of age on it. I don't think it would hurt it, but I don't think it would help it that much. I think it's a blend that is really good to go right now, really good for all day long, and a good option for somebody who, uh, you know, doesn't want to, is, is, uh, doesn't want to play around with the heat or the potential, uh, the potential problems of, of a Virginia, uh, maybe for some of you English lovers that are looking for, uh, you know, not so much, a, you know, not a real high sugar content blend, but something as an alternative. Uh, now on tobacco reviews, again, there's not, uh, not a bunch of reviews on this. There's only, uh, 18 of them and 13 of those 18 are four stars. So it's getting pretty good ratings. It's coming in more in the medium range of flavor and room note and strength and so on and so on. Uh, the, the review that I want to read for you is from, uh, the one and only Jim Inks or Jim Amash, who's been on the show before. And he writes, uh, the nutty, earthy, woody, lightly molasses, sweet, mildly chocolatey burlies that take the lead over the components. Uh, they also sport a touch of spice and a light dryness. The tangy, ripe, dark, fruity, earthy, very lightly grassy, dark Virginias play an important condimental role. There's also a strand or two of red Virginia in the mix. The lightly spicy, woody, earthy, mildly sweet, dark-fired Kentucky is a background player. Uh, the strength is just past the center of mild to medium, while the taste levels fall short of medium. The nicotine hit is a step or so past the mild threshold. Uh, no chance of bite or harshness and has no rough edges. The flakes are a little moist, but I saw no need to dry them. They easily break apart to suit your preference. Burns a little slow, cool, and clean with a fairly rich, mostly consistent, woody, sweet, predominant burly flavor from start to finish. I recommend a wide bowl to enhance the range of nuances this blend has to offer. Leaves little dampness in the bowl and does require some relights. The aftertaste is very pleasant and lightly lingering. Can easily be an all-day smoke. Uh, so I'll, I'll agree with Jim on it. Can it can easily be an all-day smoke? But notice how he and I liked it in completely different pipes. Uh, you know, just the the exact opposite. He wanted a big wide bowl. I wanted a smaller, more traditional Group Three standard shape bowl. So there you go. Uh, McBaron's HH Burley Flake. Uh, happy I've tried it. And uh, let's see, this was packed in May of this year. So, you know, six months of sitting in a can. Uh, I, did, uh, I did go back and buy some more cans of it just to have it as, a, uh, as an alternative. And, you know, who knows, maybe somewhere down the road I'll be more of a Burley fan. Be interesting to see how it works for me in the summertime. All right, in uh, just a minute, more story times with Mike and Mary McNeil. This is Internet Radio. Being at the forefront of craft tobacco production for over 20 years, we've been involved in some rather interesting projects at Cornell & Deal. From the Cellar Series to the Small Batch Project, we're extremely proud of how far we've come. So moving forward, we wanted to take it back to basics, and that's what the Burley Flake Series is all about. Burley is an underrated varietal, but there is a ton of nuance there. Using various condimental tobaccos to accentuate different aspects of the air-cured leaf, each blend in this series is intended to showcase different individual subtleties inherent to Burley. 
It's a simple concept, one that I think really speaks to the essence of what we do at C&D as a crew of folks who just love tobacco. It's also really good. Cornell and Deal's Burley Flakes series, wherever fine tobaccos are sold. And we are back and we pick up with Mike and Mary where we left off last time and talking about uh, Edgeworth and the aging process. And you get to hear me kind of pose a question. Yeah, even McClellan in 1977, you guys weren't making that tobacco meant to be aged. You were making it meant to get to the consumer safely and then the consumer open it and smoke it right then. That's yeah, basically and then, and then what bought was another happening. Can. And then bought, but see, that for years now, when we did Christmas cheer or whatever it is, I think, all right, wait a minute. I Because we're, we're drying it down on drying racks, screens, you know, with one inch wood around it. And I have to think, well, all right, I got to take it down to the proper moisture, which is going to be higher than perfect smoke moisture. Because I got to think, as it ages, it eats up moisture. What's it going to be like in five years, 10 years, 30 years? Where do I have to be to ensure that that guy opens up 20 years from now and goes crazy instead of, oh, my God, what happened? You know, and then we have the uh, food-grade line cans came in, so it sat there for 100 years, and you think, well, I've got to determine every time exactly what I think it's going to be in 10, 15, 30 years. Well, I don't have to worry now. I'm 62. <laughs> Who cares what it's like? <laughs> no, I'd still, you know, even if I'm gone, I still want the guy 30 years from now, it's maybe 30 now, to go, man, I wish McNeil hadn't died. This stuff's good. <laughs> or, or wait, let me find him so I can kill him, because this stuff is good and he's not making it anymore. Oh, did I? I, I shouldn't well, say know. that out loud. But wait, let, let's back up. So McClellan opens up with five with five Virginia tins and five English tin tobaccos. When does McClellan start doing bulk tobacco? It was, I think, in the next year. <laughs> because that advertising that we spent all our money on didn't really work. I mean, it was nice. It was good. We did it. It did work, but it was didn't work immediately, and we had to get money in, to survive. And so we started uh, selling to the shops. And, the, the, uh, the high grade, like 2015, 2020, 2010, all that stuff. That yes, was like, those. We did those not have ones. aromatics to like again you know somewhere in 82 yeah so all right let's let's go back and talk about that because I, I mean now now you piqued my interest because in 1977 you know there was there was obviously more pipes more pipe tobacco being consumed than there is now uh the the predominant pipe smokers in the in the country are aromatic smokers and yet you guys come out with five English and five Virginias. Did you just not want sales from aromatics? Well, Didn't the, like the naturals were, <laughs> that's right. It was, it was our niche. It was what we liked. Yeah. We didn't like the others Yeah. at that time. All right. Good answer. We also didn't know how to do it at that time. <laughs> right. When I got there in 80, it was experiments day and night on trying to say, yeah, we, we had aromatic some, stuff at Diebel's, but we were trying to perfect it and and it's it was uh 
gut-wrenching day and night, hundreds and hundreds. I had bookloads of failures. I guess I won't say what my wife discovered, but she is a don't like I am at science, but she went to Linda Hall Library, a scientific library, and I'm down there with burners and all this stuff. Like, I'm missing something. I'm missing something. I'm stupid. I can't figure it out. But I was going crazy. And she walked, I remember she walked in the door. She goes, I figured out what's wrong. I'm like, what, what, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> and she told me, I, I tell you what, I loaded a pipe, Brian. I was so mad at myself. I knew I was missing something. I loaded a pipe. I hooked it up to a shop back, caught the bowl on fire. I went crazy. <laughs> I go, okay, I'll just blow my pipe up. And the bowl fell off the stem. All right, it's a stupid thing I should have thought of. You know, I'm that kind of person. I can think of mistakes I made 35 years ago. And I still think about, I'm glad I do that. I'm still doing that today. I still, when I make a mistake, or I still remember things I did incorrectly, or I, I should have found out what it was. And I, I years later, when I used to sit with Phil Mazzoni, who invented Captain Black and all that with Herman, Phil and I became friends at the, you know, the national show that we had earlier for the retailers, and I'd sit and, and talk to Phil all the time. And I, when my wife figured it out, I said, Phil, my wife figured out what, what part of the lane casing is. He said, well, I can't tell you. And I said, well, I'll tell you what state it comes from and city and, and all this stuff. And I told him, he goes, well, I can't, I can't. I said, just shake your head. And he shook his head, yes, you know. <laughs> And he goes, how'd you, I said, she went to the scientific library and figured out. I said, how'd you figure it out, Phil? He goes, it was a stupid accident. <laughs> I had all these flavors, kind of like ivory soap. Look, it floats because the guy whipped it too long. And, and he said, I just tried hundreds of things, and it, it's a natural thing, and, product. And, he, and he, he did it, and, and he goes, that's it. That, that wasn't the top note of BCA or anything. But it was the it was part of the major part of the base casing of the Captain Black, and and it's a weird thing, but it's it's perfectly natural and no problems with it. It's just something you just wouldn't think of, and uh, that's how you learn. You you do hundreds of things, and you think, my God, I'm missing something. And Lane was the leader. In fact, they used to do ads. They'd have a truck or something in the ad and say, you know, they can follow, but they can't lead. That was their thing. Because back when I met Phil, they were doing 10 and a half million pounds a year, Captain Black. Yeah. It was huge. And they did it in New York. And they were cooking the black to make the black cabinet. And then they, the state jumped them. And that's why they moved to Tucker, Georgia. They were getting fined $1,000 a day by the state of New York for stinking up the neighborhood. <laughs> and the, the first outfit to actually invent black cabinetry was Philip Morris. And then and U.S. Tobacco heard about it, knew about it, and then they created their own black cabinetry. In fact, U.S.T. at first was making Lane's black cabinetry for them. And then Lane started making their own. <laughs> so, so, you know, guys hear about it and they go, well, hell, they're just cooking this you know, heating it and cooking it and turning it black, and it was Green River One Sucker, so as soon as PM did it, then the others started doing it, and that's how Black Cavendish came about. 
and we were buying base stuff with nothing on it from UST. And it, it was a great, they did a great job. I mean, you had the old tobacco guys down there in Richmond. They just really knew what they were doing. You know, we really didn't know too many of them until 89 when we couldn't get the leaf we wanted from UST anymore. We had to branch out in, in the, I started on the phone calling people out of the Tobacco Global Journal. I didn't know anybody. You'd have dozens of leaf companies, but maybe one big company would own four of them. You wouldn't even know it. You'd call one. I called one guy. I'm telling him, look, I don't have a lot of money, but I'll pay you. And I don't buy that much because you got to realize these guys have 40 factories around the world. I mean, they're in India, Africa. They're huge. They have jet aircraft, yachts, all this stuff. And the guy said, well, I just got a call from so-and-so that you asked that. And I said, well, why is he calling you? He goes, well, Mike, we, we own four companies. They're just under <laughs> different names. So I was, I was learning. I, I didn't know what the hell was going on. Then I found Standard Commercial. I got the vice president. And he said, look, I'll cut you. He knows I'm, you know, I'm telling him nothing. I was just honest with him. I might spend 20, 30 grand or something, which was, you know, Philip Morris is walking in and dropping $40 million. So he goes, I'll call you in five minutes. He calls Randy Cox, who we were dealing with for years, and I knew Randy 45 years, and he calls Randy. He went to leave school with Randy when they were 19, 20 years old. and said, who's this Mike McNeil? And Randy says, a personal favor to me, you're to save them from the street. So he calls me back and says, now I know you know Randy. He said, I'm going to save you from the street, and that's what we're going to do. And I was 89, and they did. I mean, they went all out helping us. And it's the old tobacco guys. If they like you, they really like you. I mean, they'll take care of you. Yeah. You know, it's 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 a different society down there. It's kind of changed now in 2018, but some of the streets are named after their fathers down there. It goes back 100 years. And if, if they like you, they'll help you. And, you know, we didn't pay freight on a Oriental leaf for 30 years. They go, they just throw our stuff. We get, you know, 60, 80 bales of number one boss man, and they would just throw it on their container. So I'm like, don't worry about it. We're bringing stuff over. We're going to pay for 30 years, Brian. What industry does that where they don't charge you something? And we will pause Mike and Mary right there. I want to apologize. There were some audio issues uh, during the recording of this segment. Nothing I could do to fix them. Uh, and, and if you like Mike's storytelling style, well, that's it. I mean, just hold on. He moves at a pace of, <laughs> and jumps around during a story and you just got to hold on and grab those nuggets when they come out, but we'll be back in just a minute. What are you looking for in a pipe? Is it the quality of aged briar? Is it a certain shape or finish? Maybe it's the sound engineering that ensures an effortless, smooth draw with each and every puff. That's exactly the kind of pipe Savinelli has delivered for generations now. With such a variety of shapes, finishes, and sizes, it's easy to find something that fits your sensibility and style. Just this year, we've expanded our lineup to include the Bianca, the Lancelotto, the 2015 collection, and the final installment in the Leonardo da Vinci line, the Vitruvio. For a bolder style, try our more colorful 2015 editions as well. 
the exotic cashmere, the sultry licoricea, and the striking archipelago red. So whatever you're looking for in a pipe, know there's a Savinelli waiting for you. Contact your local or online retailer to find your Savinelli today. And we are back, and we'll pick up right where we left off, and I'll warn you, hang on, kids. Mike goes on a roll here, too. You know, and I I was getting free storage, and at, at first, my friend Lewis, he goes, ah, we'll just cut. If you want some lemon cut, we'll just cut it for free. Nobody's going to worry about it. Don't worry. we got bigger problems than you. So we have free cutting. I mean, what companies do that? But do you think Coke could help Pepsi? I mean, they want them running down the street screaming for mercy. I mean, they, they companies are just horribly competitive, and there's tobacco. They were too people. little to be called competitors. Well, <laughs> tobacco. But even though that said, if if Standard Commercial, which is who we we're dealing with, if a competitor called and said, "Look, we just don't have room for all the leaf we got," Standard go, "We'll bring it over here." Because I guarantee you, their grandfather knew his grandfather's father worked with his father, and they would let him bring it over. Nobody does that. They don't do it today. They didn't do it 40 years ago. Only tobacco guys would do that. You'd walk into a restaurant in Wilson, North Carolina with, with our guys. They would know 50 people in the restaurant. You'd end up talking instead of eating because they'd have to go say hi and then introduce us. We, in fact, the first time we walked into Parker's Barbecue in Wilson, which Parker's pretty famous in Wilson, we walk in, half the place quits eating, and they're staring at us. I looked at Lewis. I said, what's going on here? They're all staring at me. He said, Mike, that's because they don't know who you are. I have to go out and tell them who you are, and then they'll go back to eating your lunch. But that doesn't happen in Kansas City. I guess if Taylor Swift walks in, everybody kind of stops and looks at her. But it's it's a different world down there, Brian. So let's go back because you mentioned the Linda Hall Library. Uh, Mary, how did you, which I, I guess your your husband and I agree on on a few things. Not many, but a few. <laughs> Well, which ones? Uh, um, one of which is is that you've got the you've got one of the best palettes we've ever met. Um, how no, did... no, no. We di- I disagree with you on that. She has the best palette. Oh, she invented all the Frogmortons, Brian. Mary, how did you develop your palette? What you know? What secrets do you know? Do you have any tips for people to develop their palettes? Well, I I I don't I don't know. I mean, I think that you can learn uh, what you are tasting. Uh, that's one of the things that that I wanted to do at uh, at Linda Hall Library. That is an independent research library on the campus of the University of Missouri at Kansas City, and it is just loaded with the most wonderful uh it has such wonderful old old books uh in in tobacco in uh the study of sugar uh all kinds of things that you might want to research and uh you uh you can 
one thing that was helpful to me was uh, being able to identify the uh, what the different taste buds in your mouth are tasting. Like if you're tasting right up front with the tip of your tongue, that part of your mouth, that's where you're tasting sweet and sour. When you get further back into your mouth, way at the kind of at the beginning of your throat area, uh, that's where the alkaline and the uh, uh, bitter uh, tastes are are to be found. Uh, and so it helps to to identify because you one of the things that I always wanted to do before we ever made a blend, I wanted to taste every component separately and write down the characteristics uh, so that you would know what each thing was. I mean, this is kind of a rule of cooking in a way. You, you know, you want the very best ingredients and you want to taste them. You want to find out what each one is so that you have a better sense of how much to put together with other things. And I found the answers to those things at Linda Hall Library. I spent days and days researching. I couldn't take things out. You have to, uh, at that time, I, I didn't have, I didn't go to the trouble to get certified as one who could take it out. I just sat in the library. <laughs> and uh, it was great. Do you think by by you not being a a you know, by you not being a regular everyday smoker, that that helped you with your with your taste testing. Oh, I think so. I think so. And it was all new to me. You know, there's nothing uh, kind of more. Uh, I was getting the full education. I wasn't uh, already filled up with uh, somebody mm -hmm. else's ideas. I I was free to come to my own conclusions uh, <laughs> just because uh, I you know you many times if you're in a in a company or an organization and they have their own language and their own uh, way of approaching things uh, you you are restricted by by what went before. Yeah. And I didn't have any restrictions. I was just free to just ignorantly explore. Yeah. You you didn't you you weren't jaded at all. That's right. Um when did uh when did fifty one hundred get created? Mm. Let's ask Mike about that. Exactly I would when say in around eighty eighty one, right in there. And was there five? Was there five? Was there five thousand and ninety nine attempts before that, or how'd you end up with the number fifty one hundred? Yeah, yeah I and mean, it was it was red. You know, we pressed it hydraulically, and the and the the red leaf only in the cakes, and then Asian for a long time cut it and spun it out. Probably a lot of guys that smoked go, "Well, it's just ribbon." Well, it was a cake. Everything was caked up. I was. It was really tough, and we and we, but we had. You can't just age it like that. You've got to age the the press cake for a long time in cakes, then cut it, then spin it out. We had the mixers to do it, 
Yeah, well, it, it, listen, I'll tell you, even my Acadian ribbon, I know you pressed into cakes because every once in a while a chunk will end up in the tin. Yeah, every pretty much everything we did, except, you know, Black Cavendish or something, all that stuff, I mean, the the, the ribbons you saw in, in the cans, most all of it was cake. I mean, we went the extra 10 miles and we... You know, we got well. We got to press it in cakes first, age it, and then I'll spin it out. We were doing, we were even doing our Turkish like that. We weren't just running through the cutter. We were <laughs> taking all the basma and letting it age in cakes, then cutting it, then spinning it. Yeah. I, I did it make a huge, a big difference in the basma. Probably not much, but better's. You know, it's a little better. You know, it didn't react to the same as Virginia. But it made it better. Anytime we could make it better, that's exactly what we did. Was it a nightmare sometimes? Well, yeah. But if you're trying for good, you just go ahead and do it. All right, you're spending all night doing it. Well, too bad. Then you don't go home. <laughs> you know. An advantage we had, Brian, was, I mean, if, if she weren't in this and I just did it on my own, hell, we would have been divorced. I was down there seven days for 37 years, nights, too. And, you know, go down on Christmas morning and check stuff drying. You know, I would, it was, but she owned it. Uh, nobody else would have put up with me doing that all the time. I mean, it was about living downtown. I mean, it was just, I'd, I'd have nights there at 1030 by the, my, you know, Hanson and one flake cutter and they, Wait a minute. What the hell day is this anyway? I wasn't sure I, what day it was. I just found something. I'm down here in the basement, which is uh, what is left of McClellan. <laughs> and I'm looking through this book that tells me that we came out with our 5100 in 1983. Wow. We did? Yeah. yeah my, my memory's going on me, Brian. <laughs> if in fact you actually are Brian, yeah. Well, you you never know. I could just be a voice on the end of the phone, and you're talking to him. Yeah, I think I know somebody named Brian, but I really don't. I'm going crazy. Our timeline of who was there when was kind of the very beginning in '77 was Carl Ewa, Bob Benish Jr., and me. Yeah. Then in 1980, Bob decided that he didn't want to do it anymore. And he had an opportunity uh, with an uncle out in, I think, California to go and learn to be a baker. Bob <laughs> was a great baker. And he's back in Kansas City now, has been for a long time. Uh, and uh, he has a line of biscotti that uh, it sells all over town in the finest stores. It's, it's great. Anyway, that's what he wanted to do, 1980. And it was when Bob left that Mike came. And uh, he had, what he had was this tremendous mechanical ability to see how things could be done more efficiently and better. And it was just great. It was very helpful, very useful. And we all were were doing great. We were we were growing together, and uh, it was expanding the things that we that we were producing. They were expanding more and more. Then, in '82, the great tragedy, 
uh, Carl, in it was in May, at the end of May, he had a burst aneurysm at the base of the brain, and uh, it was it was just horrible. Uh, he had been uh, uh, weightlifting. And uh, I heard this terrible thud, and I went upstairs, and there he was up against a wall, and there was like foam in his at his mouth. It was terrible. I called nine one one, and I called Mike, and uh, and Mike came over, and his parents came over, and uh, I didn't even know them, and uh, they were great. They were so helpful. Uh, uh, Anyway, he was uh, in the hospital a long time, and I remember I spent my days in the in the ER waiting room uh, with stacks of of McClellan formulas and figures, trying to 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 to, to take on this new responsibility. And uh, then, when he got out, he. He was very different. Uh, his whole mindset was different. He was damaged quite severely. And uh, he just, we tried with, in many ways to, to find ways to help him, to, to get him back to what he was. But, but it just, it never worked. It never happened. And he was... Very frustrated, very angry, very, very much different, and uh, didn't want any part of the business anymore. Just anyway, uh, that was '82, and uh, just right after that, we had planned to bring in Marv Novi, who was retiring from Aetna Insurance, and he was coming to be our sales manager. And and he came to McClelland, and he was a wonder. He was he was perfect. We couldn't have been luckier to have a, a person who was older and wiser, and and just the best kind of person to to uh, keep us all calm when things were tough. <laughs> what and uh, then it was in uh, in nineteen. 19- 80, yeah, in 79, we had the, the bulk Virginias and Orientals, 2000, 2010, 2015, 2020. Then in 80, with, with Mike, we brought out 100, 105, 110, 600, 605, 610, 2005, 2007, and, and that's when all this testing of aromatics, oh my gosh, we were just little <laughs> Stove pipes we were smoking all the time. <laughs> That's, that was always the most miserable part of the job for me. I'll tell you, and it's not meant in a bragging way at all, um, but I can't imagine anybody on this planet or any other planet making us work except mainly my wife. And me, because I'm telling you, if you'd seen what we went through, I know businesses go through this and that, but boy, I'm telling you, when you talk about poor and, and working all the time and consumed with it, you know, while you're showering, eating, this and that, trying to think of what 
what to do next and how to do it and keeping up with everything. It it was uh, it was <laughs> called business like a war, you know. And it's she's way smarter than I am, and I know you'll say she is. I got it. Yeah, be a journalist somewhere. I got it. Yeah, no argument for me. This is the only thing I could do. So that the fear I had was, you know, if I fail, where the hell am I going to go? I mean, I got, I don't know where to go. You know, there's nowhere for me. So I had to do it. And then when the when the North Carolina guys pulled us out of the fire, so to speak, they said, "Mike, this is it. We're going to keep you going as long as you want to." And uh, that's what happened. They say, it's up to you now, boy. And that's, I'm telling you, it was on my mind every single day. And, uh, you know, I, like I say, I worked in terror for decades. And, uh, you know, this and that would come close to happening. It didn't happen, luckily. And, uh, in fact, in 05, with Diamond Tech Standard, they did fire the Marlin couldn't stop it. They they fired the 350 in one night. But in fact, I called the vice president of company. I said, "You you told me this wouldn't happen. It was deep, sunk deeper than the Titanic, and now the Titanic's up again." And he said, "Mike, I had no idea. Or I would have told you." And but they kept three of my friends because they had a cut tobacco line they call it cut rag cutting cigarette tobacco and they didn't know how to run it so they had to keep the three guys i knew <laughs> <laughs> i just a lot of this brian's just it's dumb luck perseverance and just staying on something you know we never had any kids so we didn't have to be home really except the dog back and you know we'd take the dog to work even but all we had was that, and we stayed on it. And uh, that's dumb luck and, and work and my wife's brains, and it, and it worked out. You know, <laughs> without her, I've made speeches. I've said it in front of hundreds at Chicago at the dinner. Without her, I'd be out in the street with a piece of cardboard. And then you reminded me I wouldn't even have the cardboard, and you're probably right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what, was the, what was the first RTDA like for McClelland? Oh, I want to answer this. This It was horrible for me. I felt bad about myself. I I felt like I couldn't give away giant diamonds. Guys, old retailers have walked past us like, eh, whatever, whoever they are, they'll never make it. I mean, it was horrific for me. She liked it, and we had Marv there and all that kind of stuff. But I felt like that for years. I mean, we weren't really any kind of force out there. We didn't know them personally, really. It's the first time we went in 1984. uh, It was, it was great. It was in Chicago. (laughs) And, uh, I remember it was just such a, a wonderful experience, a great adventure, uh, being at the Hyatt, uh, watching the building across the way uh, fill up with people during the day and then empty itself at night like some great organism. It, it was just, uh, a, you know, I hadn't really traveled much at all. And, uh, and if I had, it was, you know, all business-related for the most part, uh, visiting uh 
uh, for trucking back when I was with Yellow. It was <laughs> visiting truck terminals. That was about it. But see, we see for me, see, this is where we're just going to have a disagreement. That's just the way it is. Uh, for me, you know, I became friends with David Michaud, who was chairman of Lane. And Lane was, they ran the show. That I mean, was well, no, but it was a few years later I became friends with them. And uh, even even then, in, in the late 80s, I mean, David show was the chairman. And then they would have, at the Hyatt, they would they say, well, Mike, come down here and have drinks with us. And I'd go down there, and they're all in tuxedos with 45 limousines outside waiting for the retailers to come down in their black tie. And then... They rented out the the entire Natural History Museum of Chicago for the Dunhill Dinner, and they <laughs> flew in three chefs to cook it. So the, the retailers could wander around the whole entire museum all night, and they had it all to themselves. And I'm thinking, man, I can't even buy my lunch. I mean, it was. I was flattered that Dave and the show thought so much of us, and uh, he was. You know, it was part of Rothman's International Cigarette Group, which, which was huge, you know, Rothman's Cigarettes. And uh, just, you know, just feel intimidated all the time. But then once we got going and we started getting more accounts and had hundreds of them and you start feeling better about yourself, you think, well, heck, man, I'm, I'm part of the industry now. And that is where we will pause it for this episode. Um, I do want to mention two things real quick. One, the cakes that Mike was talking about. Well, that's pressing them into uh, 10 pound, 12 pound, 20 pound uh, cakes of tobacco. And you press the blend before you cut it and spin it out and get it ready for packing. Leave it in that cake for a little bit and it comes out just a little bit better. It helps the marrying process. Same thing with components. And that's one of the, uh, that's one of the touches that Mike and Mary were doing to all their tobaccos. Uh, and remember when I've talked about, you know, pressing stuff at home that it helps at home too. Uh, the other thing is uh, the Dunhill dinner with all the limousines. Well, every year, Lane Limited, when they were the Dunhill importer, uh, used to take out all the Dunhill-appointed retailers. There was maybe a couple hundred of them in the country back then. And they'd take them out for a, you know just a wonderful evening of uh, you know top-rate top food and entertainment. And it was always some someplace kind of special. Uh, everybody, it was a black tie affair, so everybody was dressed up in their tuxedos and stuff. But that's a uh, tradition now that has... Um, I uh, gone the way of the dodo bird and the way of McClellan tobacco. All right, uh, we'll be back in just a minute. Have a look in your tobacco cellar. What do you see? Think of what you smoke, what you age, what you're drawn to in a blend that keeps you wanting more. That's your taste. And whether you know it or not, you've been leading that expedition since you first picked up a pipe just by smoking what you like and liking what you smoke. But the funny thing about taste, it changes, and you need a wide selection to accommodate it. We at Smoking Pipes know this, and you know it too. So whether you're searching for a tried and true favorite or a singular boutique mixture, 
We're here to help you navigate the voyage of your evolving tastes. But you're still at the helm, smoking pipes in faithful service of the hobby. This is Internet Radio. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show and continuing with holiday-themed music. Another uh, another old-timer, long-gone pipe smoker, uh, Burl Ives, actor, comedian, singer. I don't know. I still think of him from the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer special. Uh, this is... Burl Ives from his uh, Christmas Eve album singing Silent Night. guess there really is no other singer to me that really indicates the uh the holiday season is upon us and you know i've been sitting here uh, sitting around the house doing stuff and i've had uh burl lives just on in the background for half of today and just puts you in the holiday spirit congratulations skippy you've got mail and remember, if you have any comments or questions, you can email them directly to me, brian at pipesmagazine.com, or post them on the Pipes Magazine uh, radio show page on Pipes Magazine. Just follow them down there after the episode. 
Uh, or go on Facebook, like the Pipes Magazine radio show and send them to me there. While you're on Facebook, follow me, Brian Levine, on Facebook. I don't know, you'll see pictures. Maybe, uh, maybe you'll see some pictures of Disney World. All right, going back to two weeks ago, a couple things I'd been missed, uh, a couple of comments that I missed on for uh, Mike and Mary the last time they were on. Uh, Balkan, Balky So Brainies said, uh, I'd been hoping that they would do the show since they closed down. It should be a good listen. And then Renfield said, Love the first installment. I was really hoping Brian would do this series and was jazzed to see the topic this week. Great people who produced great tobaccos. What better excuse to open up a tin of Christmas cheer than to accompany the show and celebrate the McNeils? And, uh, NPod said, This made my day driving home and listening to a great interview. Uh, Salted Plug said, What a great show. I'm looking forward to the next three. Great to hear a few enthusiasts started a thriving business, knowing next to nothing and learning as they went along. Uh, Weedsnagger said, great show. Nice to see you do shows with guests other than pipe makers. <laughs> so let me just comment on that. Uh, there's a lot of pipe makers out there. And I think if you look back through the show, about uh, half of them are not pipe makers, but maybe, uh, you know, some people from the pipe industry and so on and so on do try my hardest to keep it balanced, but there's just, uh, not a lot of people left that were on the, uh, tobacco side. Uh, and, uh, Midwest pipes smoker 70 said a perfect day at work to listen to this and work. Of course, <laughs> yeah, well, I call it work, uh, going back to last week's show with Josh Weiser from Arango cigar. Got a lot of, uh, got a lot of, uh, nice comments privately about it. Uh, but third guy says, great episode. Interesting to hear about their thought process when it comes to distributing Esoterica to new stores. Would have been curious if Arango can order specific Esoterica blends or they just get what comes in the box, which is what it seems like. Uh, thanks for playing Dino. Uh, so I know the answer to your question. Uh yeah, they put in a request of what they would like, and then Jermaine makes what they have and what they can and ships. So it's close, but not really close. Uh, Casey Ghost says, really good show. Good review of uh, Solani 633. I can't remember whether you said it was a flake or not. Uh, it is a flake. And then a good interview with Joshua Weiser of Arango. I can't believe all the quality products that Arango carries. Good music with old Dino. And then finally, Crash the Gray said, a nice tobacco review. I love your completely open and honest approach to these. No nonsense. The interview was a good one. I've known Josh for a few years from Briar Nation, and it is always great to hear him talk about pipes and tobaccos. He certainly has a lot of experience and knowledge. It's nice to see that Mike and the, the Mike and Mary interviews still fill the mailbag. Uh, thanks for bucking the trend and playing that song. Amusingly, I was complaining about it being pulled from the airwaves at the exact time the show airs. It was funny listening to it the next day and remembering that and remembering that. Love the rave. I like the annual tradition of calling out companies who do, who deserve pipe smokers businesses. Happy Hanukkah. Uh, going back to the, sun, he's, uh, the song he's talking about, uh, Baby, It's Cold Outside. 
Well, if you really listen to uh, the 12 Days of Christmas, you know, I don't think it's really politically correct anymore to give nine maids a milking and uh, drummers and uh, all that stuff. That would be considered as uh, human trafficking. So maybe we need to pull that song off of the list. And uh, you could pull it just because I think it's kind of annoying anyway. Um, yeah, and with the tobacco reviews, I really don't, you know, I really just want to try to give what I, what the impression is. Yeah, and if I like it, I, I tell you I like it. If I didn't like it, then it's not for me, but I'll tell you what it might be like. Hopefully, maybe. Who knows? All right, once again, uh, if you get a chance over the holidays here, please go to iTunes and leave us a rating or a review. That would be much appreciated. Just go on there, click five stars, and tell everybody how wonderful I was. Uh, just like Andre T said, and he wrote on his iTunes review, uh, well worth listening to if you've ever smoked a pipe or know what a pipe is. This well-produced podcast is my go-to show that I religiously listen to, usually in the car with my pipe. Brian Levine has years of knowledge, experience, and ability to weave a wonderful tapestry together that makes this show work. I've smoked a pipe since the 1990s, and I still learn things listening to this. That is to say, it's great for both the experienced smoker as well as the novice that has picked up a pipe and packet of pipe tobacco at the drugstore to try it out. Thank you, Andre. I appreciate that very much. And um, yeah, I'm not sure with this one if it's Bass Piper Wade or Bass Piper Wade, because B-A-S-S is both a fish and a musical instrument. Um but either way, he says, hey, Brian, love the show. Very informative, especially for a fairly new pipe smoker collector like myself. Keep up the great work in keeping pipes and tobacco alive. Love the interviews with different pipe makers, etc. Have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And the same to you and the same to all of you. And in just a moment, rant time. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. this isn't a recent problem that's just popped up but it's gotten bigger and bigger here in the lovely city or the lovely area of charlotte north carolina and it's the uh, the package thieves you know the people that come up onto your porch and steal your deliveries and then run away or as my wife calls them the porch pirates well i got an idea for these porch pirates or these people that want to come up there and grab your uh, grab your amazon boxes or you know say you you know you get a delivery from smokingpipes.com and they want to grab that well i got an idea for them i'm gonna go all home alone on their ass that's right as soon as my wife doesn't notice because she won't let me without me doing it by myself uh but 
You know, I think when we, uh, you know, when we when we come in for the night or whatever, I'm gonna I'm gonna put out an empty box out there too, and maybe uh, you know maybe water down the water down the walkway and on a cold night. <laughs> You know, maybe put something extra special in that box. I'm thinking about something that might be extra moist and stinky and maybe um, maybe not have a real firm box to it. So when they grab it and squeeze it, it starts to come out all over them. And I can't tell you what that thing might be, but um, it's not going to smell nice when it comes out on I think we all need to start fighting back on these uh, porch pirates. You know, maybe putting... Um, I don't know a whole bunch of marbles up on the uh, up on your front doorstep and you know just make sure you don't have any friends coming over but uh, you know let, let's 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 take a little uh, a little note from uh, Kevin and home alone and uh, give these porch pirates something that they deserve and yeah so what if they fall and hurt themselves well <laughs> I'll just have to explain to the, to the cops here's the video of them trying to steal this and they accidentally slipped on some toys that some kids left out that i don't even know who those kids are anyway there you go all right do me a favor while you're uh, relaxing and enjoying some holiday time i hope the show gives you a break from the hustle and bustle of the holidays but please keep sharing the pipes magazine radio show out on uh, facebook on twitter on instagram wherever you are share it out and uh you know keep it going uh remember brand new shows every tuesday night at 8 p.m eastern time are posted and then all shows are up there waiting for you all 300 and now 26 of them are available for you to sit back and listen to and we will have a, a special christmas day edition so there you go uh, once again, thanks to uh, Mike and Mary for joining me. Thank you all for tuning in, and until next time. the clouds when we're together just sing a song and think about sunny weather happy Fragile. It must be Italian. Well, I think that says fragile, honey. Oh, yeah. <laughs>